0: Welcome to the Faith Mamas Podcast. I'm Dominique. I'm Ryan. And I'm Janice. We're just three mamas who love God. We're not perfect and we mess up a lot. But we have been called to a mighty work, motherhood.
1: We're on this journey with you. Yes, it gets messy. There are days you might cry, but we're here to remind you, you are not alone.
0: We're in this together. Faith Mamas is a place where we can connect laugh, and even cry together.
2: It's a beautiful community. Motherhood brought us together. Christ holds us
0: together.
1: Welcome to the Faith Mamas Podcast.
0: This podcast has been made possible by the generous support of listeners just like you. Become a Faith Mama sponsor and join us in spreading the message of hope, healing, and deliverance to moms across the world.
1: Hello Faith Mamas and welcome back to another episode of the Faith Mamas podcast. We're so happy to have you join us today and we're super excited to have a guest with us and I'm going to kick it over to my sister Dominique who's going to introduce our special guest.
2: Yes, I am so excited to introduce Krista to y'all. Let me tell you, I have stalked her Instagram. I have stalked her blog. She is the bomb. So I have to tell you, if you, you know what? You could pause, you can pause this episode right now. Jump over to spoonfulofjordan.com. Like just do it right now. Stalk her too, be amazed and then come back, right? So that's who we have. We have Krista on the line. So Krista, hello. We are so glad that you are here. How are you?
3: I am so good. Thank y'all for having me. I feel like listeners don't, don't get let down. I feel like I was, I may have been a little overhyped, No, so, you know, but come on with it.
2: <laughs> no, I'm telling you, I'm, t- I stopped your everything. She's amazing. I love it. She's amazing. So Krista, we're so excited to have you and, um, we're going to get more into Krista's story and you guys, I just know it's going to be amazing, but before we do, you know what we got to do y'all. We've got to throw it over to Janice for the Mom Life Roll
0: Call. So let's talk about the Mom Life Roll Call, ladies. This is the portion of our show where we enjoy sharing those Mom Life moments. You know, the moments that make you cry, they make you laugh, some might make you throw things, some may make you wonder, why am I even a mom? Because you were called to greatness, and Mom Life is great. Um, So we share stories, typically from the Faith Mama Virtual Village. So if you are in the Village, on Facebook. Please, 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 please share your stories because we want to put your kids on blast on our podcast. You might as well get payback somehow. Let's blast them on the podcast. Play it for them when they graduate, whatever. So I'm going to give my own mom life moment tonight because um, today, sorry, because it's kind of interesting because the ladies were laughing and wondering where their co-host is, which is my daughter, London, because every time we record, it never fails when she comes in and she's calling my name and I go on mute and something weird happens, and there are things in the floor, or, you know, it was baby alive food, one a week. Well, she was quiet today, she still is. And they said, well, what did you do? Well, she's not asleep because my child is a night owl, so she stays up very late. But I bribed her with iPad games. She plays these toka world games. I don't know if anyone knows, you know, Holler At Me in the Village and her toka world people. Um, but I was like, listen, if you're quiet and you let mommy record, I'll buy you two games. And gosh, she did. Say, I mean, the game's are like 99 cents, you know. But, you know, she was doing so good. I said, if you keep doing good, I'll buy you two more games. And so as you can hear, no longer. She's in Tokyo World. Mom life. Bribe your kids. There's nothing wrong with it. Don't let people fool you. Bribe them. It works.
1: <laughs> it really does work. Does work. I miss our co-host, though. I do. I miss, I miss London
0: okay, don't worry. She'll be back because I'm not going to pay next time. <laughs> I reached my cap. I reached my cap. No, we don't want to make this a habit. There is a four-game limit. There's a four-game limit. $4 is it, sister.
2: I was wondering how far this, this was going to go. I was like, is it going to be like $100 by the end of the year? Like, with-
0: Girl, no. Uh-uh. <coughs> yeah. No, no.
2: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Mommy's
0: wiser than that.
2: Has boundaries. mommy
0: has boundaries for sure you
2: guys okay so we are about to talk to Krista and you guys let me tell you how how I met this amazing woman of God so she slid in my dms (laughs) I did I slid right in I love it I love it no no but for real well, she sent this message and this one line really popped out to me. Um, and she said, I became a mom through adoption six years ago and finding my place in the mom community was really trying for me. On top of all the stress and emotions the adoption process brings. And you know, when I read that I thought, I have no idea of the stress that the adoption process brings. I have no idea what this is like and it made me like I have to know like I have to learn I have to find out and I have to share I have to we got to share her story because I'm sure that she's not the only one on top of the fact that she's written a really dope book and she has a blog but this part of her life just really stuck out to me so we are going to to dig in and talk with Krista I know you want to hear I know you're on the edge of your seat we want to Krista we want to hear your story We just want to hear your story.
3: Yeah. Well, first of all, um, thank you for having me and just being willing to create a space where um, someone like me can come and share my story. Um, Because for a long time, I wasn't, I really wasn't sure I was going to be able to Find a space to be able to do that. So, just a little bit about me and my background and my family. I, like Dominique said, um, became a mom six years ago through adoption. Um, My husband and I have now been married. We're celebrating 10 years in September. Whoop! I cannot believe that. Crazy. So, about nine and a half years right now. Um, And we always knew um, this was a high requirement of mine. I just knew I could not marry someone who was not willing to grow their family through adoption. And I think that this is something I hear a lot from couples, especially in the church of like, oh yeah, we hope to adopt one day, but it's kind of always on, um, on the back burner a little bit. And for me, that was just how I have always felt like I should become a mom. I know it is very common and I kind of all, you know, just want to go ahead and say this out loud. I talk about it in my book too, but I think primarily there is a common assumption that you only adopt um, if you are struggling with infertility. Um, and I want to be really sensitive here because for a lot of moms um, who come to the the journey and the road of adoption, that is their story. Um, that's not my story, but if there are any moms here who are listening that um, maybe that is something that you are walking through, I do not know what that pain is like. I always get really emotional here because I'm more sensitive to it now. I don't know what that pain is like, but I hope that even so my story will encourage you um, in in this time and in this season for you. I just really felt strongly that this was how I was supposed to be a mom. I was supposed to be a mom and step in into a space where, for whatever reason, another mom was not able to parent. And that is just always how I have felt led to grow um, my family. And so um, my husband and I actually both have social work backgrounds. I have my degree in social work. I've always had a heart for um, child welfare and foster care and adoption. Um, And then my husband actually worked in foster care for about eight years. We knew pretty much right away that that was how, you know, when we, we knew this was going to marriage, We that was a common conversation that we would have. It was not, are we going to adopt? It was, when are we going to adopt? And so about three years into our marriage, Well, really, two years into our marriage, we started having more serious conversations about that, um, about what we were going to do, what type of adoption we were going to do. Um, At the time, obviously, my husband was still working in foster care. um, And so adopting from foster care, we did not feel like was would be an ethical decision for us. um, And I always had a heart for international adoption um had traveled overseas and and things like that and he was pretty open um but for me um i really know, i knew from my social work background that adopting internationally but especially adopting um outside of my own race and es- ethnicity being able to incorporate birth culture and things like that was going to be really really important and so what i did not want to do was just kind of pick a country on a map and say, we meet these requirements, let's adopt from there. I wanted it to be um, from a country that I had a strong connection with. Um, and for me, Japan was it. And so um I started researching for like a solid year. I had never heard of anyone adopting from Japan. That is not a country that you hear often um, about <laughs> adopting from. And so I did a solid year's worth of research just wondering like, is this even remotely possible. And so, um, a lot of, a lot of prayer. And so on March 1st of 2013, we officially started our adoption process. Um, and if you don't know anything about an adoption process, it's just a wild ride. <laughs> um, no matter what, uh, it doesn't like people ask me sometimes, well, what's the easiest or what's the fastest? I'm like, Nope don't go there. Um, that's not the way to do it. Number one, that's not the motivation. Um, but number two, it's hard, no matter what type of adoption you do, it's all hard. And so for us, it was honestly just felt like what we were taking on was really impossible. Um, through my research, like I saw that it was possible, but it was going to be really, really difficult. And honestly, Had we not had social work backgrounds, I don't think we would have stepped into this, but I already was starting to see just very clearly how the Lord had started this for me like years ago, like had really started, um, like ignited my heart and love for the country of Japan as a teenager when I went there, um, for the first time. And then, you know, meeting my husband, having our social work backgrounds, like, this, I just kind of started to see like, this is okay, God, like we're going to take this step, but I really don't know how this is going to work out because it really seemed impossible. They only, Japan adoptions, they only do about 30 per year total. (laughs) And typically how an international adoption process works is, You know, the typical way you pick an agency here in the United States who has a program in said country, and you're doing everything through that agency, all of that. Um, That is actually not how our process worked. We actually did a private international adoption, which made the process even more complicated. (laughs) Um, But. I have a whole chapter about that in my book to go into details with, but it was—it looked like a really impossible mountain, but one that we like really felt strongly we were supposed to do, and felt confident in doing because we knew what to look for as as social workers to make sure that what we were doing was ethical and um, all of that. But you know, it was just one of those things where it was like, okay, we know that we're supposed to do this, um, but we don't have Thirty thousand dollars sitting in our bank we don't even know if it's going to be thirty thousand um, dollars because we don't know when we're going to travel and we don't know where we're going to stay when the time comes, and all of this so it was a really, really, really big risk for so many, in so many ways um just for our own family and then just in our faith, like trying to explain what we were doing to people, they were like y'all are. Crazy. This sounds nuts. And it did. It sounds crazy. And even now, to this day, like my son is six now, but like to this day, when I explain it to people, I'm like, I don't even really know how to explain this to you. It it was (laughs) like it was a little bit crazy, but it was it was the kind of crazy that you just know like the Lord's hand is on. Like, you know, you go back and you look in scripture and you see all these things that he asked people to do, right? Like he asked Abraham and Sarah to move. And he didn't tell them where they were going. He just said to pick up and move. And Abraham was like, where to? And he was like, I'll tell you when you get there, you know? And I'm sure like back in the day, it was like, what the heck, Abraham and Sarah, what are y'all even doing? <laughs> like, what do you mean? You're just picking up and leaving and you don't know where you're going. That's kind of how we felt like everybody was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, this is it. Uh, We're doing this private international adoption from Japan. We don't know when we will be getting a phone call. There's no wait list. It's just when you get a call, you get a call. We had found, um, doing a private international adoption. We had found, um, through the department of state and the, the, the department of state website. And then, um, through the immigration website, um, for adoption, um, a list of agencies in Japan. And so I started researching, I started calling and there were really only two that I felt, comfortable with, um, after asking some questions and then one, the one that we ended up working with, we, we finally landed on, um, and initially we were not going to move quickly. It was like, okay, well we're starting the process in March, but we were also in the middle of, we had just paid off a business. We had just bought a house. So we were in the middle of a move, um, to a different city. It was our first home. And so there were like all these live transitions going, we were like, well, we're just going to start and we're just going to start the process. This leisurely <laughs> at our own slow pace, you know, which did not happen. And so um, as we, you know, I, we landed on this agency who, you know, I just called them up. They had not done an international adoption in a long time. They had been placing children in Japan, which we actually were all for. We felt like, you know, first and foremost, like if you can keep a child in their birth culture, that. That is what you should do, um, and that honestly, like we should be the last resorts. We both asked each other, you know, really hard questions, and we both came to the consensus that yeah, like let's move forward with this. But um, so then we had to find an agency here who was willing to help us with all of our stateside paperwork. In a lot of typical adoptions, there's there's at least some community, um, even if your agency is not local. Uh, especially with international adoption, it doesn't have to be local, um, and so. so. So usually, you know, with a with a typical process, it's okay. You enter, you get, you apply, you do a home study, you get accepted into um, this country's program, and then you're put on a wait list, and you get updates, um, and you're going through doing all of your paperwork, and you're in a Facebook group community, and you travel with people, and so you start to make friends, and you start to make community with people who are also walking the same journey. Well, we didn't have any of that because we were doing a private international adoption. And so it was very lonely. We were very much on our own um, because we were navigating this ourselves. Um, so there was no Facebook group. We didn't have anyone helping us with travel or anything like that. We had to navigate all of that. Um, and we felt comfortable doing that because we had friends who lived there. Um, you know, and we had our social work backgrounds and things like that, but um it was very different. And then, you know, where we were, we were only you know, three years into marriage um, just that season of life where a lot of our friends, um, were in our same season. They, a lot were not having babies yet. Um, some were, obviously they were, and they were all having biological children if they were having babies. And so we were kind of the first in our, in our friend community to really step out and grow our family in this way. And so people just didn't really, they were, some were supportive. We We did have a lot of support and then there were others who just they really didn't get it. And there were some really hurtful things said to us and about us. And um, that was really hard um, because you just kind of expect everybody to be on board. (laughs) And and it was hard to explain to our family that we're choosing to do this, not because something with my body is wrong. Um, This is just what we want to do to grow our family. And so navigating that was just a really lonely season on top of the fact that we were in the middle of a transition. So we moved to a new community. Um, so I left all of my friends. Um, and then, you know, we had to basically start over while we're trying, while we were trying to navigate this (laughs) crazy adoption journey and where we ended up, you know, moving churches, it was like, I could not turn my head without seeing at least three pregnant bellies. And, uh, um, you know, it was like all these like super active, like mom's night, mom's group, whatever. And I was like, do I, do I go to those? Because I'm not like, I technically don't have a child yet, but I'm in the process of becoming a mom, but I don't know when I'm going to become a mom because it's all going to depend on when we get matched. And if we accept the mean it was, you know, so I didn't really feel like I I fit anywhere, and it was hard to explain that I felt like I was a mom, but I wasn't there yet, and I didn't have anything to show for it. So people would make comments to me, and I would be like, well, we're actually in an adoption process, and of course they wouldn't know my body doesn't show that I'm in an adoption process. Um, and so, you know, then obviously I think a lot of people come and there's still so much work we have to do with, with education surrounding adoption and foster care. I think, um, the media has skewed it a lot of different ways and, you know, all of that. And so we're having to address assumptions and, and, and navigate some really difficult situations like that. And so already I just saw like how difficult it was to try to find my place in this mom community. Cause I didn't really know where I fit. Um, and I thought during the process, well, maybe I'll find where I fit once we have a child that comes home. So fast forward, obviously the process was super emotional. It was crazy up and down. Um, we, Took a trip to Japan um, that was not required, but we we felt like we needed to go. We needed to visit our agency that we had been talking to in person. We had paperwork that we had to do there. We had to deliver paperwork to them, um, and so we ended up. You know, we started the process in March of 2013, and then we decided to take a trip in September of 2013, just on our own. Um, and so we went and we visited our agency, and as it would have it, as the Lord would have it. Um, I consider this just such a sweet, he didn't have to do this for me, but he, I think knew that I needed it, even though it was very difficult. Um, we actually met my son on that trip. Um, and I was, we were not expecting to, and he wasn't ours yet. Um, but he was at our agency and we got to spend a few days with him and I immediately fell in love with him. Um, just immediately fell in love with him. Like the first night, I could not go to sleep. I prayed like literally all night in the hotel room. But then I was also—it's so hard in adoption because you have to be so guarded because there's so much risk and you never know what's going to happen. Um, you know, in an international adoption, anything could have happened. A country could say, "Oh, actually, we're we're not going to allow adoptions anymore." So close that door. Like, there's just so many risks um, that go into it. Um, it was really, really hard for me because I knew that I needed to be guarded. And yet at the same time, like I, this (laughs) precious little boy was like wrecking my heart in the best way possible. And, um, and so I just remember like just this moment we were, you know, probably, you know, two or three days into, um, this part portion of our trip where we were visiting our agency and, you know, we woke up one morning and, um after spending time with them and just seeing like all the things that come into play like i knew the weight of it because i had i understood it from a social work standpoint but when you're going through it trying to become a parent it's completely different there's so much more attached to it than just walking this road as you know someone who's just you know <laughs> doing the paperwork but you know in a completely different manner and so i just saw all the weight of it and like how truly like impossible. This all like this, this seemed like we're working with two different governments. We're working with two different agencies. There's all these things that have to come together in order for this to happen. And it just seemed so big. And I sat there and at our hotel one morning before we went to go visit our agency. And I was like, what did we just do? What, what did we just walk into? How is this ever going to happen? How is this, how am I going to become a mom? Is this even going to work? They only do 30 adoptions a year. What the heck are we even doing? Um, and we walked down to breakfast that morning before going to visit our agency. And I just felt this, all of it just started to hit me at once. Um, because up to that point, I had a lot to do. I had a lot of paperwork to fill out, but now we were at the point where this portion of the paperwork was done and it was getting really real. And I don't think I had processed all of that yet. And so we went down to breakfast one morning and I just, that wave of emotion hit me and I just lost it. I just started, I was like filling up my plate at the hotel. It just started bawling. And my husband was like, uh what what is happening i was like just give me the key to the room and so i ran back up to the room jonathan my husband was you know two steps behind me and i just lost it and i was like i just i don't even know how this is going to happen i don't even know if this is ever going to work um you know we talked through prayed through obviously um you know we we knew that we could be waiting years and this may not happen but it is it is a risk that we were willing to take. And so of course we continued to move forward, but coming home from that was very raw and very, very emotional because, you know, people don't see this side of it. And so there I'm, we're coming home from this trip and everybody's like, Oh, how was it? Was it just so awesome? And and I was like, I wanted to say, um, Yeah, I mean I love Japan, but uh as far as awesome, no, it was most emotionally like I felt stripped bare. I felt so incredibly raw and just vulnerable and I didn't know how to explain it to people and everybody kind of expects you in an adoption process to be like happy, happy, joy, joy all the time and it's just not like that. (laughs) And um, so I felt like I was I just had to be so guarded. And so it was really dark for me. Um, the next couple of months, of course, it was like holiday season and it was really hard just to, you know, go to things like Christmas Eve services with my family and people ask about our adoption and not be able to give them anything tangible to go off of. Like, I don't know, we'll get a phone call when we get a phone call. And then, you know, my sweet, beautiful nephews are there and then people, you know, pat my arm like, Oh, don't worry, sweetie, it'll happen for you. And I was just like, Okay, like this all sucks. <laughs> like, you don't have to pity me. You know, it was just so hard again, like finding that fit. Like, where do I fit? Right? Like, how does this fit in? So, um, you know, it was just one of those things where I was questioning everything. I was questioning, like, did, did I hear the Lord correctly? Did we make a mistake? All of this. And so, um, you know, I really just talk about being stripped bare. I felt like I had to go right back to like the basics of my faith. Like, how do I even pray? Was I even praying right? Um, you know, like, what does this even mean? Um, and so thank the Lord. I, um, keep a prayer journal and was just able to go back through and just see like, yes, absolutely. The Lord's hand was in it. But I just felt like there was just this huge immovable mountain in front of me. And I didn't know how we were going to get through it. And it didn't look like it, he was going to move it anytime soon. And I didn't know, um, I didn't know what to do. Well, and then in January, we got a phone call from our agency in Japan. I was standing in the middle of Whole Foods and saw this international number come up and it was like, I'm sure it was to me. I felt like it was like slow motion, and my brain just could not like do anything fast enough. And finally it was just like, answer it. And I was like, okay, so I answered the phone and, um, you know, it's the director of our agency in Japan who wanted us to consider this little boy. And as soon as she started describing him, I knew exactly who she was talking about. And I was just like waiting for her, like, hurry up. I'm about to just say yes. Like, just get, you know, like get to it. I already know the answer. And so, um, obviously we said yes. And then we traveled six weeks later, longest six weeks of my life and, um, met our boy again, knowing this time he was ours. And, um, that was a crazy week in country. Um, and then, um, we were able obviously to bring him home. Um, and so I think what was really hard then at that point was the fact that you come home and everybody kind of thinks like, okay, yay, you're home. Like now everything's good. That was, really where the journey began, to be honest. Um, (laughs) Because then I have this five-month-old baby who does not know me, who has left everything he has ever known, has gone through so much loss and trauma at this point. The most important relationship in his life with his first mom was already broken at this point. That is a... Um, I get emotional every time I talk about it because that's that's just something people don't think about, but he, she and him were connected for nine months in her womb, um, and then that relationship was broken, um, and that actually physically rewires your brain. Um, now, the beauty is that the Lord also uh, gave us the tools to heal, um, but that is hard, and he had already been through so much, um, and I was learning to be a brand new mom to a five month old who didn't know me, who was, didn't know how to be comforted, totally scared, totally jet lagged. <laughs> like none of us were sleeping. There was a lot of tears, a lot of crying. Um, and that train and you know, again, it was like that expectation of people like, Oh yay. Like you're home now. Like everything's great. And I'm like, everything is not great. I feel like our house is so not peaceful. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to attach to him. And we're trying to figure each other out. I don't know any of his signals. I don't know his cry like I don't know what any of this means. You know, we're even the things like he didn't know how to ride in a car seat because he had never ridden in a car seat before. He didn't know what a stroller was, you know, like all of those types of things that are just like normal baby things. Well, he didn't have those. Um, and so, you know, we had to do all these things, and so it was really hard. And so I naively thought, well, I'll just jump into like mom life. Um, I was also like still running a, a, a different business at this point that demanded a lot of time. Um, and so I like joined this mom's workout group when we got home, which was silly. I should have just like cocooned and you know, all that, but in hindsight, you know, um, but then it was just still like this journey of, okay, well now I'm having to explain, why my child looks different from me. It was just kind of awkward again, like finding where I fit. It was like, even going to this, like mom's workout group, It's like, okay, well, everybody's talking about a four month sleep regression, or they're talking about, you know, they're on their second pregnancy and they're talking about how this pregnancy difference differs from the first one. And they're talking about labor and delivery stories. And I'm just sitting there like, I have absolutely nothing to add to this conversation zero i don't know what any of that is like and you know they'll ask me questions and i'm like um why well, didn't give birth to kai so <laughs> um you know and then it's just like awkward like they don't know what to say so it's just it was just awkward like it was just straight up awkward um and then it's just really hard because with adoption you are adding in a layer of um, of trauma that you're not typically getting when you have a biological child. And so there are just some different things that you have to, to go through, um, as an adoptive parent and that parent child relationship. And then on top of that, um, you know, my child's story before he came home, that is sacred and that is his. And so people are asking like really personal questions, like, Well, do you know anything about his quote unquote real mom? Please don't ever say that to an adoptive mom ever. We are perfectly real people and real mothers, Um, (laughs) uh, you know, but, you know, we're having to navigate all these things, trying to educate and then try to explain to people like, well, that's not something I'm really going to share because that's his story and I want him to be the first to hear it. And so then it's like, we have all these other struggles that we just can't meet You with because we are having to hold things close to the chest. So, like, you probably don't know what we're going through because we can't tell you because then it would reveal something about our child's story that doesn't belong to you because it belongs to our child. And so, it was really hard because I am a super, I don't know if you know anything about the Enneagram, but I am a two on the Enneagram. I am a super, like, I like depth relationships. Don't give me any of this fluff. Like we get straight to the point. Um, you know, we go deep. And so for me, it was a struggle because then I felt like I was being really inauthentic because I, what I couldn't fully share everything. So it was just this deep internal struggle of just all of these emotions and have, you know, people not understanding like what was really going on. Um, and I, I have a a quote in my book where it was, you know, I don't know the direct quote, but I say something to the extent of, you know, people are seeing all these cute pictures of our family on social media, but they have no clue what's going on behind closed doors when they close the door behind them. Um, and how difficult that was and what was going, the, you know, the stress that it put on our marriage, um, as well. And, you know, just so hard to navigate. And so then, you know, we're going along in this journey, sometimes I think things are getting better, but like still to this day, you know, he's six and I still dread going to things like mom's night outs because I just don't have it any, I feel like I don't have anything to contribute to the conversation because so much of it goes back to those early times that I didn't have that, you know, with him. And so, um, so it's just really difficult to navigate. Um, and then, you know, we were navigating as you know, toddler, like for an adoptive parent, it's just this age old question of, okay, this issue that we're seeing right now, this behavior, is it because, is it due to trauma? Like, is this an effect of trauma or is this age appropriate? Is it both? (laughs) And so there were some things going on, you know, with my son that we were trying to figure out when he was two. And we found out like he had, um, sensory processing disorder. And so from the outside, it just looked like he was being like an extra terrible two-year-old, but what was going on inside of him was totally different. And so it was really hard because then I would think I found good friends, but then because of some of the things that my son would exhibit, um, we would not be asked back for play dates. Um, and you know, again, I couldn't, tell them like, well, he's only doing this because of this. And I know you don't understand that, but he's not really trying to hurt your kid. You know, it's just so hard to navigate. We were dealing with some other health issues and I could just got so bitter. I was so tired. I was so bitter. I was so just done with being, with comparing myself and being compared to, um, and it really, it took me a good like couple of years to really come out of that fog. And, um, I have a whole chapter in my book called, um, community over comparison, because that has been a huge journey for me. And I think comparison is something that all moms struggle with And it. I have seen it for myself, um, been a recipient of it and been someone who's done it too. And it, Straight, that is how the enemy loves to play us, and that is one easy way for him to just sneakily come in and just destroy and community and create disunity among us as women and as moms. Um, and that was something I really, really struggled with. And so, honestly, it wasn't until like Kai was four that I finally feel like I started to heal and came out of this fog, and um, you know, we were in a good place, and I finally, you know, found some friends who
0: you know, they may not
3: have, they may not truly understand what we go through as a family, but they, they listen and they don't try to explain anything away and they're accepting. Um, and they, they love Kai. And, um, and then, you know, I started to really see like how the Lord used so many things in our life and that, um, you know, fast forward to, you know, like 2017, 2018, when I really started to take writing seriously again. And um, Moving Mountains is now my second book that I've published. And I've seen how just everything the Lord has used in my life, like he's now given me a ministry, like even through all these trials and Trying to find my fit and all the emotional like craziness and ups and downs and all of that like it's all worth it for the ministry that he's given me now. I did not enjoy it at the time. <laughs> Most certainly did not. I don't think anyone enjoys the trial when they're going through it, even though Scripture says we should count it all joy. But that is easier said than done. <laughs> um, you know. But I see the. I'm starting to see the fruit of it now, and just how the Lord uses stories to connect us. And this was not something I ever, I never like set out to be a writer. I never set out to like be, to educate on adoption or anything like that. It's just, the Lord has clearly called me to that work and placed me in situations that has prepped me for what I am doing now. And I honestly, like, it's really hard for me to share what I share. Like if you go through my Instagram and through my blog, like it's real. Um, And sometimes I will write those things and I'm like, Oh my gosh, what am I thinking? What am I doing? Why am I sharing this? Why would I ever share this? Um, But then I hit publish and I get messages, you know, from other moms who are like, I feel so seen for the first time I thought that I was the only one who struggled with this, or thank you for saying this, because I didn't realize that that was something that was common. I thought that that was, you know, just me or whatever. And I think that's the beauty that the Lord has given us in community is sometimes we have to take that risk and step out in order to meet one another. Um, and, um, Sometimes he asks us to to share and to be obedient with things that we really don't want to do, <laughs> but there's there can be so much beauty in that, and so even though sometimes it's really difficult for me to share our story and our struggles, that is how community has been built for me is through doing that um and I think I'll, you know for a long time, like i said i was for a couple of years I was really bitter, and I talk about that and the effects of that um a bit in my book um thankfully from the healing from that, I just have seen, um, just so much, so much freedom, um, in just being able to open my hands and allow the Lord to do what he is asking me to do. Um, and that it's so much greater than what I ever would have planned for myself.
2: Now, that's amazing. And, I'm so excited to know Ryan and Janice have some questions. I just wanted to say that is so awesome. And, um, you know, we started this series uh, with uh, faith in, and faith in relationships. Um, and we were really talking about how, you know, recognizing that Jesus is the Savior, recognizing who we are and accepting who others are. And I think that as you share your story, whew, you see the raw and the real of this process, like yeah. you're like you said. It took you two years to just heal and to and to to finally be able to bring you to the table, like. Yes. And so, man, I think this is so powerful. And man, yo, if we could sit on this call for this podcast <laughs> for all day, I would love to because this was so awesome. But I'm going to throw it over to one of y'all. I know you all have a question, either Ryan or Janice, whoever wants to go first, but I just want to thank you for sharing your story. This was so powerful. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it was a really, really beautiful story, Krista. Thank you so much for just um, coming on the podcast and being transparent about your journey. And, um you know, motherhood, whether you come to it by way of adoption or biological children, it just has this propensity to make you feel like you're the only one who yes. goes through hard stuff. It just comes with the territory of being a mom. And um, I love what you said. Um, I, I think the title that you mentioned in your book is uh, community over comparison. And I love I love that because it's so true. Is like, you know, God called us to be in community with one another as a body of Christ and as believers. And, you know, um, as moms, like, we we, we got to stick together and just build yeah. each other up. And I think that this is um, such a beautiful way and a beautiful platform um, that you have with like your blog and your book and everything, um, bringing moms together and truly just um, talking about this journey of motherhood, because there is literally nothing easy about it. Like yeah. I <laughs> promise you two days. Two days ago, I wrote a whole entire, like, letter to myself because I wanted to quit being a mom. Like, I just, I'm done. No more. (laughs) Um, So, um, but I wanted to ask you, you also said something at the beginning of your testimony about how when you were in Japan, how um, all those, like, raw emotions that you were feeling the first time you got to see um, your son and um, how your faith was just kind of, like stripped like God kind of stripped you bare bones like were there any scriptures or like um any praise or worship songs or like what what kind of what did you stand on to Mm -hmm. like get you through the rest of of
3: that journey yeah um so one so one of the songs that I clung to a lot during that season was Hill Songs Oceans. Um, because that is how I felt. I felt like you were calling me out on this. I feel like I'm sinking. I know you've got me, but I feel like I'm below the depths right now. Um and so that brought, you know, every time I would listen to that, I, you know, would kind of just really feel the spirit like just strengthen me, like I do have you, and I know that this is scary, but don't take your eyes off of me. Um, so that was, that was something that I played really often. And then um, our, I used to attend um, the Village Church um, in Denton, Texas. Um, I went to school at UNT, and um, there is a worship album that our, our campus did, and Jennifer Holmes Oh my gosh. I love her so much. If you ever check out her music, she's amazing, but she wrote a song called I am, and it's literally just the truth, like just just the straight up true characteristics of the Lord, um, that he is savior and that he is redeemer. And that, um, it's just a beautiful song just to remind you an anchor. Like God says, I am that I am, and he means it. And here's all the things that he is. And so I would cling to that one too, just to remind me, like, God's not going to draw me out and then leave me to dry. Like he's not, and he's a good father. Like he's good. This isn't, and he uses things for our good. Um, And so anchoring in that truth was huge. And so I listened to, I am a lot. That album is called beneath the canopy. Um, And then as far as scripture, um, gosh, I, a lot, <laughs> but one that um I actually had a friend share with me um passage in Isaiah, I cannot remember the exact chapter, but um it's a scripture where it's talking about how the Lord, it says the Lord is both before me and behind me. And she shared that scripture with me, and at first I was like, I don't understand. Like why would the Lord be behind me? You know? Um, but just really like chewing on that scripture, it became such a comfort to me that, and I just got this, like this, I just felt the spirit just gave me this picture of he is before me, meaning he already laid the path. He went before me. The path has already been laid. It is there. He's now behind me telling me this is the way I should walk in. And that's what the scripture said. It says before me and behind me, this is the way you will walk in it. Um, and so, you know, he doesn't, he's really good at, you know, not giving us all the details. And I think he does that for a reason. Um, and so I felt like in that moment, I just kind of got, you know, a little bit of just this vision of like, he is behind me. Um, and it was just like, all these people are at the, on the, on the sidelines, basically telling me all these things, telling us we're crazy, this, that, and the other, all the things. But the Lord would say, take your next step. This is the step. Walk in it. Go this way. Don't take your eyes off. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Look forward. I will tell you where to go. There will be a step there to catch you. And so I really clung to that scripture a lot because there was a lot of risk. We did not know what was going to happen. And like I said, I felt at a certain point, like, is this ever going to happen? It felt impossible. And one of the things in that chapter of my book where I'm, um, you know, explaining kind of more in more depth about just the emotions, especially in our adoption process is I realized in that moment where I thought it was impossible looking, you know, when we were on the other side, I realized like I wasn't standing in that moment in front of a mountain. I was in the middle of it because he was carving a path. Like, really understanding our adoption story like he made a way (laughs) he made a way where he where there what where there seemed to be no way and so sometimes I think that that happens where we feel like we're in front of a mountain but we're actually in the middle of it because he's already gone before he's carving a path for us to walk through
2: so
0: so good amen
2: I know Janice is about to ask this question oh my gosh I just blew my mind okay Janice go ahead (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, but please go ahead because Janice is trying to get her emotions under control because Krista has <laughs> me totally blown and messed up over here, and I that's why I keep <laughs> holding my head and I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> so now, please, if you have your question, me, go oh, ahead. I'm not even asking the question. I was just saying. Oh, you just said, oh in the middle
2: of the right? mountain. Did y'all hear that? Did you hear that? She said you are on the out. You in the middle of the mountain because the Lord is carving. A, let me tell you. <laughs> I'm done. Mic drop. I okay, Lord, thank you. This Krista, my God. Okay, Real. I'ma am going to sit here and just Did she just say that hit did it hit anybody else but me? Like
1: No, like, not just you.
2: <laughs> you are in the middle yeah. of the mountain. And the only that was thing powerful. You're in the middle of the mountain is if God puts you there. Like mm-hmm. you there. You can't physically get yourself to a middle of a mountain. No, you cannot. So, there has to be someone that goes before you, Jesus, and carves away, hallelujah, and whew, I'm done. Okay, I'm about to have a crazy party by myself. Okay, Janine.
0: I'm sitting here like, good lord. Wow.
2: Drop, like, I'm going to listen to this episode like 50 times. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't even...
3: Y'all are sweet. I, you know, I tied when I was working on this book, because initially this was not going to be a book. This is my second book. The first book that I wrote is actually a workbook um, called Before You Adopt, A Guide to the Questions You Should Be Asking. And so that was really kind of using all my like social work skills and my experience, what I've learned as an adoptive parent to really help prepare people who want to go through this process. But this book was so different because it was It's our story. Like, this is a memoir. Like, this is like the real deal. And it's, even though I talk a lot about adoption in this book, I feel like it is something any woman can pick up and relate to adoptive mom or not. And I talk about adoption because that is part of my story. But going back to what Ryan said, like, this is something that I talk about in the book that in that season of bitterness for me, I think sometimes what happens is we start to compare our hard and it's all hard. And like, we're over here, like trying to one up, each uh, one up each other, like, oh, well, my baby hasn't slept through the night and you know, all that kind of nonsense. Or it's just like, no, it's all hard. Like, It's all hard in its own different ways. But, you know, I talk about marriage difficulties and financial difficulties and just like all the mistakes we've made the past 10 years, but how the Lord is restoring and redeeming. But I, when I was thinking about just the title of this book, I knew I wanted to have the word mountain in there. That was just like something that I was so important to me. I feel like I've always kind of had this connection with the mountains. Like I'm always like drawn to that. Like I'm a girl who would rather like go to, maybe it's cause I'm an introvert, but I would rather like go to a cabin in the mountains than sit on the beach. I do love me the ocean. Don't get me wrong, but I love the mountains. I just love the solitude. But then just thinking through script, like thinking through my own story of there have been so many mountains in my life that I didn't know would be moved. But then you also look at scripture and I'm like, There are mountains all up, all, all through. Like there's so many significant things in scripture that happen in the mountains or on a mountainside. You know what I'm saying? It's like the Lord would draw Moses away into solitude on the side of a mountain. He revealed, he put him in a cleft and revealed himself and his glory on the mountain Moses gave the Ten Commandments on the mountain top. Um, Abraham led Isaac up for that moment that I don't know that we'll ever truly understand in Scripture. With I to to initially sacrifice Isaac, led him up the mountain, and then you see in the New Testament where Jesus teaches, he's usually on a mountainside because it kind of created this like natural amphitheater where people could hear him then you see like him talk about the, you only need the faith of a mustard seed to tell that mountain to move and it'll move for you. And so when I was thinking about the title of this book, my whole goal was just to deeply encourage women and moms who are going through a season where all they may see is the mountain and they're begging for it to move. And it is, it, it he will move it. He can move it. He will either take you over it, or he will carve a path and let you go through it, or he'll pick it up and move it for you. And I've seen all of those things happen in my life in various ways. The adoption process for me, he carved a path, but there have also been times where he's made me climb, and that's been really hard. <laughs> and then there's been times where of his own accord, nothing that I did. He just picked up the thing and moved it out of the way. And then there are seasons. Even now, like I say at the end of the book, like it's not like everything is great. Like there's still a couple of mountains in our life that we've been praying for for five years to move. I think that the mountain is in motion, and I think that's the thing. Is a lot of times, like when you when you think about moving a mountain, it it seems impossible, right? Like you don't see the process of a mountain ever moving but it does and it can because of the lord like that is what that is what he is in the business of god is in the business of moving mountains
0: you said so many things girl have
3: blown my mind i had to take my glasses
0: off so they wouldn't get foggy i was listening to you Todd and you know god told me and and i don't want to this this is not an offense to any other faith mama because he's showing us something here, he said she is a faith, and I put dot 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 mama because everything you shared with us was nothing but faith from the beginning, and you're a mama, of course, because you know he he predestined you to be that before long, 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 long time ago. And I'm glad you shared it because I hear so many people in our community, they feel they had to have birth or they had to have a child. And we say it all the time. It doesn't matter. You know, you're, I feel there's a, uh, as Dominique said it before to us, it's a tendency Like there's something in your nature. There's this thing that God gives us as women where we nurture, where we care for, and whether you physically given birth or not, it doesn't mean you're not a mom. And there's the beautiful thing is that there's so many children out there that need exactly what you and your husband did Mm -hmm. because that's what we're called to do as well you know we're called to do that and so just to hear you talk about that and that you guys stepped out and like oh she's a faith mama (laughs) that's exactly no wonder you're drawn to the community because that's you you are the living walking definition amongst others of exactly what it looks like to in faith you know stand for your child you stood for your baby you stood in faith for your baby before you got him and that's the most beautiful thing I've heard I'm not asking my question yet because I just had to commend you for those things and for standing in faith and teaching us what you just taught us about what faith looks like um because a lot of times I think we think faith means it'll be easy or it means that, you know, God will just whisk us through everything and we don't ever stop and think about what you talked about with the process and that the whole time he did these little things to say, you know, Krista, keep going. You guys keep going. And, and I just, whew, I don't know. I'm in awe from that. Um, wow. You said a couple of things. You said use it, um, this, we use these stories to connect us. And, and when you said that, I thought about the fact that we, overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony how your book is just going to bless so many people um and then you said this other thing where my question is finally coming in you said um you found a ministry through your trials mm-hmm. and that you didn't know god was going to give have you birth in it and he had you birth a ministry through your child your trials mm-hmm. Whew, he is something um so how, how did you do that like how did you come to a realization that you know what this is bigger than um what he's done through us this is now ministry I'm supposed to go out and talk to other families and women I'm supposed to share my story like how did you come to that realization because like you said you had a lot of emotions a lot of things were going on and you know sometimes we're in our emotions we're not really thinking about how like I'm in my moment I how you guys are going to figure that I don't know you have your thing going on I have my thing going on. but there was some moment um um believing here that happened in your life and that you discovered that hey this is a ministry do you know when that moment was
3: yeah so um, again it was a process and first of all thank you so much for your kind words I'm like over here choking back tears because it's just really encouraging um, for me and I just want to thank you ladies for creating um, this community where women can come and feel safe and um, and meet in community with one another. Yeah. So as far as seeing this as a ministry, it it took some time (laughs) and, um, I really, honestly, I think, um, it, it wasn't until after, like I mentioned, um, just kind of going through that season of bitterness and then healing where, because he was healing me, then I was finally able to see what he had done. Um, and I think that first and foremost is so huge. Um, we're not going to be able to see if we're blinded. And I was very blinded in my bitterness and I didn't really see all that he was doing. Like I have a chapter in the book. It's one of my favorites called the puzzle pieces. Cause that's kind of how I felt. I felt like my life was like all these scattered puzzle pieces that didn't make a lot of sense. And I didn't really understand how they fit together. And it really wasn't until I was able to heal a little bit and step back and see like, Oh, that's how that fits together. Um, I think the pivotal moment for me is I had in 2017, my husband and I had gone through a really, really difficult season in our marriage. Um, really difficult. Um, and so we were kind of coming out of the fog of that and healing from that. And I, I knew, um, that I needed to be doing something and I, I had written a lot um, just during our adoption process updates and, and things like that. But um, writing had kind of been on the back burner for me and I I didn't ever really see it as a career, to be honest. Um, but I finally came to a place where I was like, okay, well, I have all these passions. I'm really passionate about adoption and foster care and I'm really passionate about um motherhood and I'm in community and I'm really passionate about natural health. But how does all that like how that I know how it plays out in my home, but like how would that play out otherwise? And so I started to feel this pull like I needed to do something, but I wasn't sure what that was going to look like. And so I had already kind of prayed through like I think I need to relaunch my blog and really start there. Like just Start to take that, um, seriously because I wasn't doing it regularly, but when I, when I did, um, I always had, there were so many good like conversations and connections that would come out of it. And so I kind of felt that pull of the spirit, like, you know, that there's something there. So start going with that, um so then in 2017, I, I relaunched my blog in July of, of 2017, just to really kind of take it seriously or 2018, I guess. Um, and then, um, I distinctly remember <laughs> I was sitting in our church and there was a, um, a guest pastor that day who comes and speaks at our church every year, Keith Battle. I absolutely love him. If you'll never listen to anything by Keith Battle, he's amazing. And so <laughs> I was sitting in my chair and, his whole sermon that day was based essentially, like, using your gifts to glorify God, and he started talking, and he was, like, multiple times, multiple times in that sermon, he would say, I don't know who I'm talking to, but you need to write that book, and I started to kind of, like, feel myself, like, slink back in my chair, like, was he is he talking to me? Cause I'm uncomfortable right now. Like I'm legit. Like, please stop. Like, I'm like really uncomfortable. He said that multiple times, like you need to write that book. You need to write that book. And I felt like there was something there that the spirit was really speaking to me. And so over the next few days, I started praying through like, okay, what does that mean though? Like, am I, what am I even going to write about? Like, what do you, what do you want me to do with this? How do you want me to marry all these gifts? And what did that, I know I'm supposed to write, but what is that? And so finally, after some prayer, I felt the Lord go like, you have all the pieces. You have all the tools. They're right there. Scooch your chair back. Stand up. Look down. It's all there. Start. Just put them together. Start connecting them.
2: Y'all, I know that we do not want this conversation to end it's been so awesome. Um, but it doesn't have to end because you can find Krista. There's spaces you can find her. Where can we find you online?
3: Yeah, so um Instagram is my fave, so I'm usually most active there. Um my handle on Instagram is Spoonful of Jordan Um, And then on Facebook, it's Spoonful of Jordan. And then my um, website and blog is spoonfulofjordan.com. And you can also access the shop there and find both of the books that I mentioned. Moving Mountains is there also before you adopt. And I have some other fun things coming um, down the line with Moving Mountains also, so stay in touch for that. Um, but then also there, both of these, you can also find on Amazon too, but, um, I love for you to come to my site so you can, can see other things and hopefully be encouraged by some of the blogs and, um, other resources that you can find there.
2: Yay. Oh my goodness. This was so awesome. Make sure you guys like Go and follow all of her social media. We will definitely have it in the show notes. So just in case you're driving your car, you do not have to pull over, I promise. It will be in the show notes. Um, You can just click it and go directly to her and find out all the goodness and order that book because you know you want it. Order both of them. Even if you're not in the adoption process, order it for somebody that is. And everybody just needs to get moving mountains. Like, I'm, yeah, Let's just do it. Let's just, everybody just do it, okay? Okay, pinky promise. All right, cool beans. So we are getting ready to end this episode. Oh, I'm gonna cry. Um, but before we do, I wanna ask Krista, would you be willing to pray us out?
3: Yes, I would absolutely love that. Let's do that. <sighs> Father God, I just thank you so much for just the way you have so beautifully intricately designed every single one of us. Um, God, I just thank you so much for just this community that has been created with Faith Mamas and the way that you are using it just for the glory of your name and just pray that you continue to um, bless it, that you would place your hand upon it and just truly Let it reach every single woman who just desperately needs this community. Um, Thank you for just allowing us to meet here today. And Father, for just using um, all things. Your word says that you work all things for our good and for your glory. And so may we believe and sit in that truth today that even the mountains that we are facing and the trials that we are facing, you will use it for our good. Um, And I just pray over every um, woman and mom who is listening today. Father, I just pray specifically for the women who may be struggling right now, um, um, maybe they're facing a trial and just becoming a mother and it's not looking the way that they thought. Um, and God, we know that there is pain there, but we also know that you meet us in our pain, um, and that you heal us from that. And so father, I just pray, um, healing over these women. And that you would um, sweetly lead them and guide them and show them um, that it may not look the way that they had anticipated, but um, that you promise you have something great and, and even sweeter for them on the other side. And so would your spirit just encourage those women today. and Father, I just pray that you would just um, be over each of us as moms as we walk through the day-to-day grind and the coffee stains on our shirts and the endless amounts of toys and dishes and all of the things that um, Mm -hmm. seem insignificant and may seem overwhelming. Father, there is such beauty and sweetness and significance in Um, everything that we are doing in and outside of our home. And so would you just remind us of that today, that when we are serving our children and serving our families, um, we get the honor and the privilege of just reflecting the way that Jesus humbles himself and humbled himself while he was here on earth and loved and served others. So I just thank you again so much for this time and for these beautiful women and their hearts and souls um, and for what they've created here. Bless each one of them in Jesus name. Amen.